the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, January 6, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. The phone number is 602-508-0960. Let's make it an open lines Friday, shall we? I say that and it doesn't really mean that terribly much, except hopefully maybe liberalizing your fingers to do the well, we say dialing. You don't dial anymore <laughs> to do the pushing. Uh, love to have you on anything that's on your mind. Love to know what's on your mind. I love to hear from you. Uh, what um, what we got coming up is going to be great. Larry Elder in town. He'll be with us in studio for uh show on the th- uh, for the third hour. And uh, George Kaloff will be back with his regular Friday political updates. Uh, we'll talk with him a bit in the second hour. Uh, but again, really, truly, anything on your mind, 602-508-0960. I'm also in the mood for fun. If you have any concept of what we can do that might be fun today, it has not really been a great week uh, for us as Republicans, uh, I don't think. Um, Kevin McCarthy is closer, it appears now, to becoming the uh, Speaker of the House with the requisite 218 votes. He peeled off a few more votes today. But not there quite yet and possibly will be at the end of the evening tonight. But let me just talk a moment about the costs of this delay uh, from my perspective. You know, there's a few things that uh, harm our Republican brand, uh, harm uh, our Republican image. And uh, I I think this week was one of them. I'm seeing people say and hearing people say it's healthy. I, I don't know that it is anymore. It might have been healthy on one day. Um, it might have been healthy in November when there was an effort. Um, but we are now uh, a week in to having um, wasted uh, our leadership in the House of Representatives and wasted uh, the dominance we could have had with the leadership. Kevin McCarthy and the new uh, chairman of the House of Representatives committees, various committees, particularly Jim Jordan, judiciary, could have been dominating the news with offense. They could have been, uh, you know, throwing touchdowns and unveiling legislation, unveiling hearings, unveiling plans for hearings. And instead, not only was that wasted, politics, like almost everything else, nature, terrorists, abhors a vacuum. Old line from Spinoza. I'm not calling anyone terrorists here. It's just an old phrase I used to use. I used to say terrorists like nature abhor a vacuum. Uh, But politics abhors a vacuum. Two, and so the Democrats filled it, and they filled it with the ability to um, blast uh, Republicans for not having their act together, not being willing and ready to govern. And on a day like today, uh, January 6th, holding multiple press conferences on the horror that was January 6th uh, two years ago and dominating that news again. Few things have damaged the Republican brand as much as the attaching of the image of uh, imagery of January 6th to the entirety of the Republican Party. Let me, uh, Nancy Pelosi held a press conference on it this morning. Kamala Harris did. Joe Biden did. He even at one point called it July 6th just to prove 
uh, how necessary serious leadership is in this country. Um, Wilford Riley, who is uh, a frequent and regular guest, Professor uh, Wilford Riley, tweeted this today. January 6th is not an annual holiday. He used a, a, a word in there I can't use. <laughs> two years ago, a I'm quoting him, two years ago, a mid-sized riot happened and one person was killed during the violence. Obviously, no one approves of rioting, but it's worth asking a simple counterfactual question. If the left had been responsible for J6s that occurred and the right responsible for the 2021 riots that did $2 billion in damage and killed about 30 people, which would the media today be focusing on? The story that has been constructed, I'm still quoting Dr. Riley, the story that has been constructed out of J6 is fascinating. As I understand, the seditious prosecutions, one of which was successful, involved Oath Keepers who thought that they might challenge national leadership. There is no proof after two years of investigation that Trump planned or knew about the riots' preexistence at all. Regarding the other stuff, about 200 unarmed rioters breached a building defended by hundreds of armed cops. A few congressmen briefly ran from them. None were killed or even hurt. Police held their posts, and the building was cleared in under three hours. Um, that is really the story. That 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 really is what happened. Uh, 800 people rose up uh, who started rising up before Donald Trump was finished speaking a mile and a half away from where Donald Trump was speaking when he told the people who he was speaking to to march peaceably and patriotically. A group of several hundred others not there didn't do that and started doing it before Donald Trump finished speaking. Um the statement by Vice President Kamala Harris today was, again, uh, the statement of insurrection. But, of course, she gets to say it was an armed insurrection. Um, armed insurrection. Armed insurrection. Uh, Byron York helpfully points out that the Justice Department maintains a website listing the defendants and the federal charges against them in the investigation and uh, of the 670 at the time, now it's up to 800, about 800, um, who were face, uh, who, who were uh, arrested and indicted on various charges, 82 faced weapons-related charges, about, uh, about 15% of the total. Um, do you want to know what those weapons were? Here was what the armed insurrection consisted of. Helmets, batons, a crutch, a walking stick. There was a handgun, pepper spray, flagpole, baseball bat, crowd control barrier, police shield, hockey stick, axe, metal sign, desk drawer. Now, all of these things can be used for violence, of course, of course, of course. And one of the things I do worry about in our defense of the civil liberties of these defendants is something that Irving Kristol pointed out in the defense of the civil liberties of communists in the 1950s which was in your defense of their civil liberties, of their civil rights, of their protections from overzealous prosecution, you have to be very careful, which too many in the 50s were not, not to be endorsing and supporting the defendants' actions. Yes, defend their rights, but not their actions. And there is a slippery or sliding slope in that problem inherent here. I worry about that a little bit. But let us keep in mind what 
we handed to the Democrats by having a vacuum of leadership this week and by having a perhaps too insensitive uh, leadership in the White House on the day of January 6th after it learned of what was taking place. What we have handed to the Democrats is the notion that the rioters on January 6th represented the Republican Party or the conservative movement. Let me say it again for uh, I don't know how many times I've said this, but let me point this out again. Not a single one of those rioters, not a single one, not a single one was known to anyone outside of their own circles. They were not known to anyone in the RNC. They were not known to any Republican officials. They didn't hold any offices. I don't even know if any of them were as high up as level of precinct committeemen. They spoke for no one. They represented no one, not in the Republican Party and certainly not in the wider conservative movement. The ability to give to the media and the Democrats this notion that they did and that they do represent this party is one of the most damaging things that has affected us for the last two years. And what is what allowed the Democratic Party to campaign in the last three weeks of the 2022 election as us being enemies of democracy, a vote for uh, Republicans being a vote to end democracy, if not to end the Constitution. Again, I will say this to the media. Please, please, please stop writing that this was the first disruption or efforted disruption of a peaceful transfer of power. January 6th was not a transfer of power day. That was Inauguration Day. There have been efforts to disrupt Inauguration Days, Transfer of Power Days. 2016 would have been a good example of that. 2017, Donald Trump's inauguration would have been a good example of that. There were riots on Donald Trump's inauguration. There were riots where police were heavily involved. Check out the Reuters story on it. It's not pretty, it's not happy, and the media didn't care about it. But this is not a national holiday. It is a meaningless thing that the Democrats have used to a fairly well. And if we had had our leadership in place today, we could have owned the airwaves, but we didn't. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. I'll get your calls in just a moment. For those of you on hold, I want to say one more thing about uh, the uh, the the uh, yes shrinking uh, but uh, shrinking um, vocal critics of McCarthy in the Republican caucus who are um, opposing him I, I just don't know if they understand the seriousness and I don't understand if they're serious I can't tell if they're serious I saw Matt Rosendale who's part of this uh, what is it now? A group of uh, 10? Is it now a group of 10? I saw Matt Rosendale today give a floor speech and he shouts out that he's supporting Kevin with a smile on his face. And then he steps away from the microphone and comes back and says, Hearn, make, you know, as if this is a game, making everyone think it was McCarthy when he was an anti-McCarthy guy. I have now seen Matt Gates nominate three different people for speaker, none of whom are going to do it. Two days ago, he nominated Donald Trump. This morning, he nominated Jim Jordan. We have been through this. Are they doing this at all seriously? Chuck Warren, who uh, works with Sam Stone on the Breaking Battlegrounds contest, um, had a good 
piece in, in his Substack because I, I watched Matt Gates's speech this morning, and he said this isn't uh, this 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 shouldn't be a, any kind of a nomination for Kevin McCarthy merely because Kevin McCarthy can raise a lot of money. Well, I have to tell you something. Um, the job of the Speaker of the House, and we have heard from a few congressmen this week on this show, repeat this point. At this point, that is the main job of the Speaker of the House, raising money. That is. And not a lot of people can do it. Not a lot of people can do it very well. And it's an ugly business uh, as far as I'm concerned. I don't like the way it's done. I wish there were a better way of doing it. The Democrats have perfected the bundling and the notions of how to raise these gobs of money to elect members of Congress. But Kevin McCarthy did it. And he raised something like $230 million to get people like Lauren Berber and Matt Gates into Congress. Meanwhile, as Chuck Warren pointed out, Matt Gates in this cycle, while Kevin McCarthy was going around the country raising $230 million, Matt Gates raised $6.3 million. Of that, more than half was spent on raising more money. In other words, half of it went back into this machinery of raising money, while less than 5% went into contributions to other campaigns to help Republicans win a majority. And the question is, well, wait a minute. If you raise money for your campaign, uh, is it your job to raise money for others? When you have a surfeit, it is, and that is the business here. Members of Congress and members of the Senate do have PACs, do raise money, yes, first for themselves, and then to help out fellow congressmen and fellow senators, because it's awfully lonely when you are the uh, only Republican or you are the minority in the Republican Party and you're in office. You want more Republicans. Why do you think when you read about some of these candidates that raise gobs of money beyond what they need for their own race, what they're doing with it? Well, the good ones are spent sending it to other candidates, are sending it to other campaigns. A lot of people, let's say, for example, who raised enough money for their own campaign and then some sent it to people like Harriet Hagerman to help her out. That is the business of uh, that is the business when you're in the fundraising business. And Kevin McCarthy's good at it. It's not the only reason he should be speaker. But when Matt Gates says that is not a reason, he does not have the legs to stand on to talk about this. And if people think they want to waste Jim Jordan's talents on going around the country raising money. Fifty weeks a year, that is exactly what that is. That is a waste of his talents and resources. I, just, you know, consider just consider trading places. It's not that something necessarily that Kevin McCarthy would do, but just consider trading places. Would you rather Jim Jordan holding inquisitory investigations of the CDC and the FBI and the Department of Justice, or would you rather Kevin McCarthy be holding those hearings? Of course, the answer is clear. I just don't think these guys are serious anymore, and I think they've hurt the brand and when Kevin McCarthy does become speaker, he will be the speaker as a much weakened speaker. This has been embarrassing. I, I, it, it's embarrassing to watch. It really is. Sometimes Republicans don't know how to lose and sometimes they don't know how to win. Sorry to prolong this issue, but it is the issue of the day. Leanne is in Chandler. I'll lighten up a little. Hello, Leanne. Yes, hi. I'm trying to find something to be humorous about. Yes, I know. It's been a hard week for it. I know, I know. The closest I came was last night when somebody um, sent me a uh, a video of uh, nominating Trump for president. Yes. And I thought, 
okay, I mean, not president, but for speaker. Yes. And I thought, okay, I'm getting out my popcorn. This could be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now that is humorous, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, I'm with the 214. Um, I, I think it was okay for them to have some good negotiations, but after about round four, it was starting to get old with everybody, I think. And um, I went to the AmFest thing. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, it was great. Oh, my gosh, it was great. Unfortunately, I was only able to go for two days because I had other plans. But um, Matt Gates said, I heard him say this at AmFest, that, that Kevin McCarthy doesn't believe in anything. And he slammed Kevin McCarthy there. And at first I thought, hmm. But, you know, he didn't say what he meant by that. But I thought that was a pretty bold statement, you know. Well, what does Kevin McCarthy not believe in that Matt Gates does believe in? I mean, Matt Gates was on the Laura Ingram show last night. Was it last night or the night before? I don't remember. I saw I didn't see it live. I saw it on social media. But he was on uh, Laura Ingram this week and he said there is not a concession. There is under no circumstance a way he will support Kevin McCarthy. So what is the principle here that Matt Gates is fighting for? If there is nothing Kevin McCarthy can do to get his vote, what is the principle? But more importantly, I you know, I I, I I'm kind of falling into this own trap I was articulating about Irving Kristol a a little while ago. Because I'm in defense of Kevin McCarthy as speaker does not mean I'm in love with Kevin McCarthy as the chief spokesman for our party uh, or even, you know, the leader of our party. I'm hoping Harmeet Dillon will become the head of the RNC and she can be the leader of the party. By the way, look at how weak the RNC is that they couldn't have solved any of this problem this week. There's an argument for a new leader at the RNC, too, by the way, uh, as long as I'm on that role, Leanne. But but, you know, yeah. so I you know, I have been told again and again that Kevin McCarthy is not strong on principle. That may or may not be true, but I will tell you this. You don't get a 100 percent NRA, NRA, NRA and pro-life rating and zero American Federation of Teachers ratings if you don't believe in something pretty strongly. Right. right. And you've got to also think about the audience. You've got Democrats, independents and Republicans watching this stuff. How does this look to independents? Yeah. Good point. Good point. You Who know? wants to be part of this caucus? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Lee. Right. Let's find okay. some humor for next week. God bless you. Six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. If you uh, are a bike rider or a runner, things I enjoy. And uh, that last mile is hard. That's a great song to uh, cue up. The one we came in with, Chicago, Stronger Every Day. The last uh, the last part of that song is just, uh, it'll get you going. It'll motivate you. Uh, my buddy uh, Hugh Hallman and I uh, are always uh, trying to uh, find good music to keep us going for that last mile or whatever it is. And uh, we found a few things. But uh, if you're like me and you need that uh Chicago, uh, Stronger Every Day is a good one. Pay attention to the last part. 
also, Maynard Ferguson's Rocky will get you get you a mile. David is in Phoenix. Hello, David. How are you? Jeff, how are you doing? Love your show. Oh well, thank you, sir. I'm doing okay. So, so just like I think was the Chicago Seven, I may be mischaracterizing it, but you have the DC Twenty <laughs> now six, I think somewhere so closer to the Chicago so, number. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Well, I'm going to use Twenty only as a means that that's where this kind of yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I take the point. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So, so. Interestingly enough, all of your questions, and they're great questions, you always have great questions, but, you know, as my dad always tells me, there's logic and there's emotion. Yeah. You're asking logical questions, yeah. and you, and, you're, and the answers, and you know that you're drawing the logical conclusion as to why Kevin McCarthy, you know, the fear that we would lose control of, of, of the, you know, of the House, yeah. so to speak, okay? Yeah. But, but what's important and, and it, to note is that these 20, they've, it makes a revelation. I'm a student of the Constitution, but what's unbelievable is that for the first time, we get to see a process which is needed from that conservative patriotic side, the standing up and making the argument. I'm not saying that it's logical. You're 100% correct. But at the same time, when you pose questions that who's going to get more money like Kevin McCarthy well, yeah, if Kevin McCarthy got $250 million, that money is coming from the same money that's going to the Democratic Party. So the question now comes, if they were to elect an alternative person who was green and did not know D.C. and did not know how to get around, maybe he or she would raise only $50 million or $100 million. Now the question comes down to, well, yeah, that stinks, but... The source of that money, the true grassroots, that Reaganite, that conservative movement that we have that Trump has provided to us and opened the doors, can start to fill that capital. And that's where we need to begin. And I'm not saying that, again, logic and emotion, yes, logically, we want control. The decision is to get McCarthy, but at the same time, Everybody knows that the 20, what the 20 are fighting for in their hearts, in their hearts, everybody knows that it should be somebody else. Um, who? Oh, OK, but you know what? No, no, so no, like no. Said, but the reason I say that, you know, the reason I say that is, you know, yeah. I've heard this argument from the liberal left in getting rid of, you know, fossil fuel engines, greenhouse gases and the like. Okay, so they've banned it and there's no there's there, there, there there's nothing to replace it with. Look at California okay, well, no, with power me, outages. Okay. If you're going to take Fair something enough. out, you have to have something to put in. And I well, just well, well, think you're ta- let me anybody. have one more sentence, promise you, just one more. And I think you're giving someone like Matt Gates more seriousness then he's taking it when he keeps nominating non-starters and more than one this week. Go ahead. Right. You're correct that that just to randomly stand up and to just say I nominate Trump or I nominate Donald Duck. I understand that 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 obviously takes away credence to a solution. But it, 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 the, the idea here is that the solution is occurring because we are showing some 10% representation within 
the Republican side of the House that there is a movement. Do now, you do you have a conservative? Um, do you have a conservative sentiment and ideology? I, I'm happy to hold you over, but bear with me. This yeah. the, the, the music's coming, so I have to take the break. And you can think on this if you want to respond, David. It's up to you. But do you have a conservative sentiment or ideology that is not represented by some of the great conservatives who have supported McCarthy? That you know the Matt Gates six do. Um, I, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene perhaps is part of it. Jim Jordan might be part of it. Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin is, is, is am I missing something about these not being great conservatives uh, or at least maintaining a great conservative ideology? Marjorie Taylor Greene's not my cup of tea, but Matt Gates and Gallagher certainly are. And I'm sure MTG's voting record is right along theirs with them. You can answer that when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. David from Phoenix and I were having a dialogue about uh, about uh, the fight for uh, Speaker. David, I'm sorry uh, I had to hit the break, but you go ahead, sir. No, I appreciate the time, and I know other, I want to let other callers No, you're fine. Call you're good. You're good. But, uh, oh, you're enjoying it, so good. I was going to say that. It, so when you say there are conservatives in the House, and if they are conservatives, my only request to them is, them to be flexible and what we're asking for is flexibility we everybody knows the status quo doesn't work it hasn't worked there needs to be some change and i think that what we've seen very little pieces of in the last several weeks from what we're told that the same machine which is led by kevin mccarthy okay is essentially doing the game that they play they bring in they bring in the new people into the house or they have the other people they own them whatever it may be and nothing is changing so if marjorie taylor green who i love I, I i completely support i completely support any person that's going to vote conservative i would hope that she would instead of you know cast uh, you know uh chewing out the 20 or the six and claiming that it's grandstanding and that it's drama and that it's hurting the Republican Party. Rather than that, I rather that if she is that conservative, she goes back to Kevin and says, Kevin, look, you got to make some changes. And we know that's happening. We know it's happening because the number's going down. We assume there's going to be an agreement of some sort and finalized. But that, to me, I, I can't rely upon the status quo. So, no, I, if, if, if they're not leaning on Kevin, those conservatives that we know of or that we have faith in, then we're just nothing's changing. So, OK, so but what I, it, but nothing's changing with us not having ha, having given it a shot either and, and losing a week on this. Right. I mean, that's where the change was supposed to take place. I mean, when you were going to have people that you like running these committees, that would have been substantial and serious change rather than the committees that uh, were headed by people who were handpicked by Nancy Pelosi. I mean, we could have had change beginning right. this week. We don't have it. And I have to ask you then this final – no, it doesn't have to be the final question, but this question. If Matt Gates said and is true to his word, which I take him at his word, as he did to Laura Ingram, there is nothing Kevin McCarthy can do to get me to vote for him then that kind of takes away your argument, doesn't it, David? Then there's no point to any well, of this. This is just theater, isn't it? Well, 
if if the point was to get Kevin McCarthy to make concessions, and Matt Gates says there is no concession, which is what he said, right? But then but your you argument kind of has a hard time, that, doesn't it? You're you're correct. My argument does fail. However, if you if you just turn the clock back several weeks ago, it was there was a lot of discussion that. They were attempting that there were some inside agreements. There were some. Oh, yes. And there were a lot that were given up. I mean, for example, on the rules committee, uh, Kevin, the rules committee gets something like 10 members from the Republican Party, something like that. And And we got four from the Freedom Caucus. That was done two days or three days ago. That's a huge concession. Unheard of. Correct. But I and not. Of, of all of, of the requests, and I'll use Matt Gates as an example, okay. in front of me, a lot of the extreme measures, you know, the, the idea of kind of on question, you know, the ability of the speaker and things of that nature, whatever it may be. If I'm Matt Gates right now, I, I relate to Matt Gates, and I relate to the fact that here it is, you, you have gone round and around with the machine, with the same party, telling fibs to your face playing games, and there comes a point where somebody like Matt Gates is going to make the statement that, hey, I'm never, ever, ever going to vote for Kevin McCarthy. He never would have said that three weeks ago. Now, maybe, maybe him and Kevin will work something out, and I hope that they do. And my thought right now is I am hoping that they do. And as a mentor of mine told me a long time ago, a man that lives on hope, has a very slim diet, okay? I am hoping that it will get ironed out, and and I think it will. We're making progress, but just to end this, I am thrilled that the 20 started out, that they made this a spectacle, and that they put this front and center because children, people, law students, attorneys, professionals, people do not have an insight to the workings of Congress and what's important. And for once in a long, long time, we are getting a a schooling of what needs to be done moving forward. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, I I, I think a lot of this was emotion, quite frankly. I, I think a lot of it was. I think a lot of it is personal pique between members who have their issues with McCarthy and who McCarthy may have issues with. Um, that's my sense. Um, McCarthy has never been speaker before. He has been the minority leader. Uh, so, you know, the idea that he has fibbed to us, I don't know what the fib is. Uh, do you? You said he fibbed to us. What did he fib to us on? Meaning that that Matt Matt the, the representations made by the six and the twenty were that you know we were told that we were going to have this or have that or that he would consider A B and C X Y and Z and that he didn't and I don't know the details. Okay. But here's my solution yeah. and, I'll, and I'll leave you. Okay. My solution is simple: just take get an architect to go in and to get the exact dimensions of the speakers chambers and then build one for kevin and let him use that as his office and let somebody else move into the speaker okay (laughs) i love you man have a good weekend take care thank you john is in peoria hello john hello seth 
what, that gentleman you just talked to, kudos to him, Seb, because I think what he said was 100% reasonable because it kind of matched with what Tucker Carlson said the other night. You know, thank God for these 20, and thank God it's not just the status quo, you know. And here's the thing, you were looking for what uh, McCarthy did. Uh, here, let me tell you what maybe you, uh, he might have done that makes people hesitant, because supposedly when this big trillion-dollar uh, ominous bill, uh, you know, he was like, oh, it's outrageous, blah, 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 and we're, I'm going to go into those senators and blah, 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 blah. But accordingly, when he went behind doors, uh, he was meek as a, as a bunny rabbit. Uh, uh, and he didn't really, uh, you know... Uh, where, where are you getting that from? Where are you getting that from? I read that from several different accounts. How did he vote on it? How did he vote on it? Well, I know how he voted. He on voted it, against it. When he says he's, yeah, of course he did. But when he says he's going to go in and give a big piece of his mind, like he was doing, take a step back. You know, take a step back. Take a okay. step back and tell me when's the last time you heard a minority member of the House of Representatives go in and tell a Republican senator what to do. I mean, I think we're just, re- I, I, honestly, I mean, I just think we're picking straws out here. These things don't eat, the, the, if, there's a great line from Psycho, the movie Psycho, if it don't gel, it ain't aspic. I mean, look what's behind some of the stuff we're now trying to say to justify this. We spent a week not in leadership is what we spent. Volatility. Our friends at Y-Refi have an investment in a portfolio for you with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market. And uh, members of this audience that have taken advantage of this have been doing very well. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It is a secure collateralized portfolio uh, that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right. 10.25%. YRefi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888 YRefi34. That's 888 YRefi34. You know, one of my um, favorite uh, pieces of advice to Republican governors is to take their uh, Board of Regents appointments seriously. Board of Governors appoint the you know, the board of directors, the board known as the board of regents, usually <clears throat> to the state universities. And uh, you can uh, you can you can change the course of your children's and our states and our country's education if you take this seriously. Not enough have taken it very seriously. It was really Ronald Reagan's very first act as governor in 1967. And he set the pathway of this so much so that my favorite headline from 1967 was the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, Reagan wins Kerr out. Uh, Clark Kerr was the head of the uh, UC system. Reagan campaigned on getting rid of him and uh, used his leverage as the um, as the ex officio and the nominator to the Board of Regents of California and got rid of him. Well, I bring to you uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, of course, who gets it. 
Today he announced the appointment of six new trustees to the new College of Florida. The new College of Florida in Sarasota is a public university honors college. And I'll just tell you, I mean, this is this is cowbell. Uh, Christopher Rufo, many of you know from the City Journal and his work on uh, on exposing the transgender nonsense. Matt Spaulding, Dr. Matt Spaulding from Hillsdale College, my former roommate from graduate school. <laughs> Dr. Charles Kessler, who is the editor in chief of the uh, Claremont Review of Books and a professor at Claremont. Dr. Mar- Mark Bauerlein, who is a regular guest of this show, emeritus professor of uh, English uh, at uh, Emory University. And uh, then two others whom I don't know, but I'm sure are just as well uh, good or great. You may know them. Deborah Jenks or Eddie Spire. I don't know them. But Rufo, Spalding, Kessler, Bauerlein, new members of the Board of Regents or the Board of Trustees to the new College of Florida. That's leadership, man. That's taking your power seriously and doing something productive with it. That's a great thing. And I just wish more Republican governors would follow Reagan's and now DeSantis's lead. All right, uh, we'll do a political update with George Kaloff when we come back. Don't go away. We will be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 